And uh, I wanted to take a, a, a moment tonight and just uh, last week, Teresa had just a great word on Mother's Day about how moms are really the unsung heroes and, and how I love the fact that, you know, moms have those secret weapons at their disposal. One thing that she forgot to say was the magic finger. How many moms have the magic finger? Right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, yeah. Terry's got the magic finger. So I just thought I'd bring that to light. You know, some moms have the magic finger. And I'm like, yeah. My mom had the magic pinch under the arm at church super weapon. Anybody ever have to endure that? And you're like, oh, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. Just grab that skin right under your arm and twist it and like, oh, just drive me nuts. Anyway, okay, so we're talking about heroes tonight. Uh, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We are made aware of your presence. We thank you for being here in each and every one of us. Come alive. Do something surprising. Be wild tonight, God, in Jesus' name. Your past doesn't disqualify you. Your past doesn't disqualify you. What is a hero or who is a hero? Who do we define today as our heroes? We're kind of backtracking a little bit from a couple of weeks ago when we introduced the series about who is a hero. Can we define heroes today? What is a hero in our culture? Now, we have a lot of them today. We have sports heroes. I mean, we have Michael Jordan. Who doesn't love Michael Jordan, right? This is, this is what turned me back to professional basketball when Michael Jordan dunked the ball from the foul line. I mean, my gosh. And then everything just took off. Michael Jordan is an amazing sports hero. How about sweetness, man? Walter Payton. I mean, obviously I'm a Chicago guy, so the first two up there are going to be the Bulls or the Bears, right? <laughs> uh, you know, Walter Payton. I remember as a kid watching Walter Payton actually quarterback an entire game. That's just how good he was. How about Cal Ripken Jr.? I mean, the Iron Man of baseball. Remember that day when he broke that record at 2181, 2181 or 3182 or how many games? He just started circling the field. It was insane. The crowd was going nuts because these are the people we venerate today. These are our heroes. And we have Derek Jeter. I mean, arguably the, the best Yankee, modern Yankee player uh, since, I don't know, Reggie Jackson probably. I don't know. He's just, he's good. And his farewell tour and how much people loved him, even though he had made mistakes and things. How about political heroes? Look at John F. Kennedy. He kind of made some inroads to some new thinking in America, you know, and just really just changed the culture of America with some modern thinking, some liberal thinking. And of course, we have a liberal and a conservative. Aren't I good? Very balanced here, right? So yeah, we got Reagan up there, right? Reagan was president when I was a teenager and really saw the economy uh, turn around under his leadership, the, the kind of the United States take their place back on the city on the hill, he used to call it. It was funny today, we were talking about interest rates at homes. And this is going to date me, I know, but we were talking about how interest rates are going so high. And I said, what are they at? They're at four, four and three quarters. And I'm like, my dad jumped up and down when he had 15% on a mortgage for, you know, 15 years, because they wouldn't go 30 years back then. He jumped up and down. It's like, that's awesome, 15%, that's so cool. I'm like, four and a half, four and three quarters, really? That's not bad. Anyway, we saw that change under Reagan. Uh, we got uh, some political heroes, Margaret Thatcher, one of the political heroes of England. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu today, I mean, stand, making stand firm and a firm stand in, uh, in uh, Israel. You know, whether you agree with these people or not politically, these are, I'm just trying to pick out some very easy ones to target that we've named as heroes. Whether, what other side of the fence you land on as far as political or sports go? How about movie heroes, man? We've got Captain America. This is real popular right now. Captain America and Thor. You know, I, what would you rather do? Would you rather have a shield or a hammer? 
hammer, man. The hammer can fly, right? I mean, the shield's like a big boomerang. It's cool, I guess, if you know how to use it. But man, the hammer. I gotta have the hammer. Uh, I just saw the last one, the, the latest Avengers movie. Phenomenal. Uh, I won't blow it for you, but it's, it's really good. Go see it. You'll, you'll enjoy it. So we've got movie heroes, uh, but we love these heroes, right? These are kind of the unsung heroes of today. This is a couple shots from 9-11. The policemen grabbing the lady, helping her, the firemen, obviously very popular, raising the flag after the Twin Towers fell. Uh, just some heroes that never, we don't know their names, but we still know them, their, their careers. We know them under the, the banner of their career. We know them under the banner of their, of their titles. Those are our policemen. They protect us. Those are our firemen. They care for us. Especially in Colorado, man, firemen are heroes. I mean, Black Forest, you know, Waldo Canyon, they are here. The banners are everywhere. You're our heroes. We love you. Teachers, man. Teachers are unsung heroes. I don't even know what's going on behind this lady. I don't really want to know what's going on behind this lady, but, you know, whatever she's teaching there, that's, that's pretty important, I'm sure. And you got professors and heroes and people that are influenced the minds of young people today. These guys, they really have incredible amount. Teachers have, I would venture to say, the most influence on a generation. If, t- if the, the teachers are, are with your children probably more, or influencing your children probably more today than parents are. And it's sad. But it's true. And they know it. And they're molding a generation under their values. These are heroes. How about these guys? Would you ever consider, who I'm about to show you, a hero? Hitler. Would you ever consider Hitler a hero? How about bin Laden, Osama bin Laden? Would he ever be considered a hero? Let me mess with you a little bit. How about these guys? Kim Jong-il, he was the leader of North Korea for years and years, dictator, oppressed people, oppressed people. Would, would he be considered a hero or, or Stalin? Would these guys be considered heroes? Definitely not these guys, right? I mean, Muslim Brotherhood and, and in today, ISIS? I mean, these, these are people that we absolutely abhor in our culture. These are definitely not someone we would say, hey, that's my hero. Hey, who's your hero? <laughs> Mussolini, man, he was, he was the man. You know, ISIS, I love ISIS. No, these are not our heroes. These are not guys that we would say, yeah, that's what we want to look up to. These are people that we want to look up to. These are people that are terrorizing believers around the planet. And they're, I mean, they're just, they're just angry. They're mad. But what makes a hero? Is power what makes a hero? Is it some sort of supernatural power? Is it influence? Is it money or fame? Are these the things that we look for in a hero? Are these the things that we want to prop up in hero in heroism and uh, heroes today? So if you've got a lot of money, you know, you're, are you, because you carry that influence, usually money and influence go together, or money and fame go together. Sometimes fame and infamy can go together without money, but usually the two go hand in hand. Are these things that, that we look in a generation, especially in Western church, are we looking at these people as our heroes? Are these the people that carry our dreams for us? Are these the people we want to hang our hats on? Are these the, the coat hangers we want to rest our coats on? Maybe it's not what we think, guys. It's a little poem I found today. Heroes are made in the deep. Heroes are made in the silence. Heroes are made in the still night. Heroes are made in the loneliness. Heroes are made in the hidden. Heroes are molded, not born. That's probably true, isn't it? Because heroes are probably made, the, the heroes that we're going to meet in eternity someday are probably not the faces of heroes we so venerate today. We're so familiar today. 
You know, you could see Michael Jordan's silhouette anywhere and immediately know who that is. I love when uh, Phil Jackson told a story, the Zen master called Phil Jackson was the coach of the Bulls, and he would ascend, he went up to uh, see the Dalai Lama, and he ascended the, the steps there to the Dalai Lama, and there the Dalai Lama was with a Chicago Bulls hat on. And he's like, wow, my influence is, you know, the Bulls are influence is so great. Of course, this is back in their prime. And I love it too, when I go to, now they, I'm, I'm sure they don't know what they're wearing, but you know, I'll go to a third world country, and everybody's got the Michael Jordan shoes, and the Michael Jordan silhouette going across their shirt, and because it's so familiar, you know that silhouette anywhere. It's how popular that has become, nationwide and certainly worldwide. But is that how a hero is made? Is it made because of pure talent? Because many, many people believe that both sides of this coin, those are their heroes. The Muslims consider ISIS their heroes. They consider Osama bin Laden their hero. Muhammad was their hero. Just as much as you and I Consider some of our sports heroes or political heroes or conservative heroes as our heroes. They consider them as theirs just as much. Isn't that crazy? It's just the other side of the fence. It's a very thin membrane between the two. Love makes a hero. What makes a hero? A hero is this. If you find someone that's living for the benefit of another, you found a hero. Love makes a hero. The Bible says in John 15, 13, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Love makes a hero. What, if you could define what a hero is, I would have to say this, as a hero is synonymous with love. And love and heroism go together. Love is living for the benefit of another. You know, mothers are heroes because they constantly live for the benefit of their children and their husband. Husbands are heroes because they're constantly dying to their old little boy inside, the little guy jumping up and down, wanting his own way, and dying to that and saying, I'm going to live for the benefit of my family. I'm going to live for the benefit of my wife. I'm going to live for the benefit of my children. That's a hero. Someone who has no thought of themselves, a leader that is selfless, loving, courageous, living for the benefit of another, are the true heroes. Guys, if you want to identify a hero... Find the ones that are living absolutely for the benefit of other people. Mother Teresa was a hero. She lived for the benefit of someone else. I was just sharing today in prayer, I saw a movie called The Inn of the Sixth Happiness. Has anybody ever seen that? Wow, nobody's ever seen it. 1958, Ingrid Bergman plays this woman called Gladys Antwald. Anybody ever heard of Gladys Antwald? Gladys Antwald, unsung hero. Here she is living in London, England, trying to work her way. She feels a call of God to go to China. This is back in 1930. Japan was just invading China, a lot of turmoil going on, and she had no money. She had a couple pounds in her, uh, English pounds in her purse, and uh, she went to the Chinese Inland Missionary Society in London, England, and they said, you're crazy, you're not qualified. They kept, kept telling her, you're not qualified, you're not qualified, you're not qualified. You're a single woman, you're not qualified. She worked as a second maid in the home of a guy who she saved her pennies, literally, for years and years and years and actually laid away a train ticket through the Siberian north that dropped her down into China. After years of laboring, polishing silver, cleaning fireplaces, Gladys Antwald finally got to China. It wasn't easy. The Russian army was, uh, was scrambling to protect their borders from, from the Jap Japanese and the Chinese and everybody that was about ready to blow up into World War II. 
It wasn't easy. She actually didn't even make it to China. She had to walk from Siberia to her mission in China. Fascinating woman. No one's ever heard of her. No one's ever heard of this woman that has done these incredible feats of servitude, living for the benefit of another. She winds up at the inn. She calls this other lady they meet up. And she takes 100 orphans over the mountains of China into a safety all on her own. Incredible. Look her up. Gladys Antwald. A hero living for the benefit of another. My friends, if you could find somebody who will lay down, and this is our challenge too for us as a, as a body of believers. What if we as, as a small body of believers just uh, always live for the benefit of somebody else? What if we started at home? See, everything starts at home. And daddies, you start serving your family. And you live for the benefit of your family, not for your own pleasure and your own benefit. And mamas, you live for the benefit of your husbands. And you live for the benefit of your children. And then you live for the benefit, and that spills out into your neighbors. And you live for the benefit of your neighbor. And your neighbor's like, wow, I can't, wow, this is so nice. You brought me coffee today. Thank you. I'm living for your benefit. See, those are the unsung heroes that we're going to start to develop in these neighborhoods all across Colorado Springs. All across the front range and seeing people transform their neighborhoods simply by starting inside themselves, living and loving for the benefit of another. And you're going to say one day, how in the world did this happen? How, what happened in Colorado Springs? I thought it was the most religious city on the planet. There's more churches there per capita than any other city in America, isn't there? I mean, there's a church on every corner. There's 60 churches in a square mile. What, 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 what happened? What really transformed your city? We learned to live for the benefit of other people. We stopped being selfish. We stopped living for our own benefit. Those are the heroes, my friends. Those are the heroes we're looking for. Can we say today, yeah, my life is living for the benefit of another. I live my life so that others will benefit from the love of Jesus that they see in me. Let's talk about Paul tonight. Paul is an unsung hero. And I know the first time we talked about David, and you're like, David is not an unsung hero. David's the most popular guy we ever talk about. But remember his humble beginning? The guy forgotten at the party? The guy forgotten, the, the, his dad forgot to call him to the party? Uh, then after he was anointed king of Israel, he, what did he do? Went back to the sheep. Just went back to doing what he was doing. <clears throat> Paul, we would say, how could he be a hero? Well, Paul's kind of a disqualified hero, we would say today. Remember the picture of ISIS cutting the heads off Christians? Remember the picture of Hitler condemning millions of Jews to slaughter? Remember the picture of Mussolini and Stalin and the Muslim Brotherhood? Do you ever think that God could ever use them? I'm going to mess with you a little bit tonight. Did you ever think that God could, if, if we in America today, the Western church, if any member of ISIS were to come into our building, we would freak out. Because their reputation of targeting and killing Christians precedes them, right? I mean, that's just, that's what we know them as. We know them as Christian targeting murderers. Check this out. Paul was a murderer. Paul actively sought out Christians to stone, slaughter, hang, crucify, and imprison. In Acts 22, 4 through 5, he said this, And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, 
authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. It sounds real familiar to what we're hearing today, isn't it? Paul was probably a member of the modern-day ISIS in his day. Targeting believers, going to colleges, and going to specific places where Christians, he knew Christians gathered. And he would go there on purpose to hound them to death, to assault them, to seek their crucifixion, to hang them, to stone them, to murder them, to imprison them. By his own lips, he admits to this lifestyle. This is crazy, guys. Paul's past would certainly disqualify him as any type of hero that we would ever, ever consider. We would never consider Paul in this stage of his life a hero until Jesus transforms him. Paul the transformed. Did all this disqualify Paul from becoming one of the most influential people in the New Testament and the early church? Of course not. Does your past disqualify you from becoming an unsung hero? Of course not. How about this? Does your lack of past disqualify you from becoming an unsung hero? It's funny because, you know, some people, uh, and, they, and they should, they love their testimony of how God rescued them from drugs or God rescued them from sexual promiscuity or God rescued them from, from jail or God rescued them from heroin or God rescued them from, you know, something, from, from a divorced, poverty-stricken lifestyle. God rescued them from all that. And then you got a guy who's like, dude, I've never done anything in my life. Like that, like that. And sometimes I think we disqualify ourselves for our lack of past. Somebody say amen to that. Sometimes it's like, I mean, my wife, I don't think she's ever sinned in her life. I really don't. I think she's just perfect. I'm thinking, how, what, what past do you really have to, oh, I took a smoke a cigarette one time. My mom was going to kill, oh, ooh. It's not, but it's not just that. It's also... The feeling like you've got to be some sort of bad person to be transformed and redeemed. By the way, do you know we're all redeemed? We're all transformed. We have all have a past. Matter of fact, God uses even your lack of past for his glory and your good. Well, man, I've just been a good guy. I've been a good girl. I don't really have it. You know, I don't have the laundry list of, have you ever been on a mission trip and, the, and you're like, oh my God, here goes a teenager. And they get there, and, and this is one of the things we learned on the mission field, and, you know, and they get behind, and they're supposed to give their testimony. You know, how many of you know that a 15-year-old doesn't have a whole lot of testimony yet, right? And every time they get to the pulpit, or get to the microphone, hi, my name is Angie, and I was born in a Christian home, and I've been in church my whole life, and just, I just love your mountains, and your papaya is so fresh, and I... Um, and, I, and, and just welcome to our skit. No, okay. <laughs> right? I mean, that's like the epitome of teenage mission trips, right? And, and there was like, don't say that. Don't, they don't know what growing up in a Christian home means. They don't know what that means. It's, it's so funny. But that's all we know. That's our Western cult. That's our Western lingo. Hi, I'm Jim. I was born in a Christian home. Raised in church. Raised in church. And I can't, I, I, I'm, like a, I'm just imagining what these, these people are thinking. Raised in, did you live in church? You're like Samuel, you know, living in church? Did you take a bath in church? I mean, I don't get it. How do, I don't understand. I don't make the connection. Uh, I'm just picking on it, but that, that's so true. So your lack of past can even be something God can use. So don't ever feel like, oh, I've got to go be bad to be good. Does that make sense? You know, don't ever feel like, oh, I've got to go create some huge testimony to, for, for God to use me. 
Because even your lack of past can't disqualify you from being a hero. Here's some quick thoughts that will change your life. Number one, your past does not determine your future. Come on. Your past does not determine your future. Say it with me. My past does not determine my future. Your past doesn't qualify, disqualify you from ministry. Ministry, I don't mean being a pastor of a church. I don't mean being an elder of a church. I don't mean being a song leader of a church. Ministry is every day. Everybody knows that, right? We're educated here tonight. Everybody knows that every day is ministry. You are called to the ministry of reconciliation through Jesus Christ. That is our ministry. I'm not, I'm not talking about, oh, I don't have to really be a pastor, so I don't have to worry about that. No, ministry is every day. Your past doesn't disqual you, disqualify you from everyday ministry. Number three, your past doesn't define you. It may shape you, but your definition is in Jesus. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. Now listen, your past will help you and, and, def, and shape you, but it doesn't define you. Does that make sense? Listen, I, I mean, we, I grew up in a Baptist independent, fundamental Baptist church. It shaped me, but it doesn't define me. Isn't that good? So, so my love and passion for questions and the scripture it came from my background, came from, from Awanas and came from Sunday school and came from flannel graph, you know, and came from Miss Margaret's first grade Sunday school class in a stinky, moldy, smelly ba- basement. It, it, it doesn't define me, but it shaped me. Let me, you see the difference. It starts to mold me into who I want to be. I have a, just a passion for the scripture. I have a, a passion for, for, for interpreting it and asking questions within the margins and finding God in the margins. From that, and you can say the same thing, Lutheran and Catholic and, 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 and nothing, and atheism and whatever, and agnosticism, it doesn't matter. Your past shaped you, but Jesus defines you. Number four, your past is part of who you are, good or bad, it all belongs. Now listen, I love this, because Paul would refer to his past, but Paul never lived in his past. Come on, somebody. Paul would refer to his past as, look, this is who I was, because when I tell you who I was, it gives you merit to the transformation of the man that I now am. Isn't that good? This is so good, because you meet people all the time, and this is good. I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody. Please understand what I'm about to say. I meet people in this city all the time. Hi, my name's Lonnie. Hi, I'm Jim. Hi, Jim. Uh, you know, what's your story? Well, I used to be on staff at New Life. I used to be on staff at Woodman Valley. I used to be on staff. You know what they're saying? They're saying my life has merit. And I found some identity in that position. And now I'm not. And now I don't have that. The first thing they want me to know is that they mean something. They want to be valued. So don't ever think like, who cares what your, what your resume is? I don't want to hear your resume. They're not giving you their resume. They're giving you something that shaped them and meant something to them. Isn't that good? I've been learn that since I've been here. Hey, I'm Jim, and I'm, you know, I, I was... Man, I was 10 years in staff, and I ran the children's department at Mega Church USA. Well, whoop de doo is what I used to say. <laughs> Sorry. You know what I say now? Man, that's awesome. Man, God's got some amazing things in your life, in your future. God's got some. He was shaping and molding you for something great. 
Your past doesn't define you. It may shape you. It may mold you. Your sin doesn't define you. Your sin belongs. I know it's going to freak you out. It belonged. Listen, if you don't have something to push against, if you don't have a container that you filled with something to tip over, you'll be questioning God your entire life. And you'll be the guy standing at the ascension going, you know, I'm not sure if I still believe this stuff or not. I'm still not sure, Jesus. You just walked through a wall. I'm still not sure you're the man. I just, nah, not connecting the dots here. Just not sure. Come on, guys. Move from your past into your future. Now, God is the God of the past. He's there. God is the God of the present. He's here. God is the God of the future. He's there. He loves your past. He's going to use it for his glory. He's going to redeem everything for your good and his glory. Man, we should rejoice in that. Oh, that's screwed up. Okay. What do we do now? Number one, your past is your story. Listen, don't run from it. Your past is your story. It's not a bad thing, but don't live in it. Your, your future is where you're going. Have you ever met somebody that all they have in their stories is their past or their past experience with you? That's probably the time you realize this person and I don't have a whole lot in common anymore. Because all we have to live on is where we once were. Oh, remember when, and remember when, oh, do you remember that time? What, do you remember, there's nothing wrong with memories. I love it. We, we do it all the time. We have long-time t- long friends that we talk about our memories. But if you live in your memories, you have no future. You have nothing new happening in your life. You need to ask Jesus to throw you into the rapids. You need to probably ask, stop, stop asking Jesus to rescue you and tell him to kick you in the water. Let's go swimming. Let's find the wild side of God. Your past is your story. Watch this. Your story is your life. Your life is your witness. Your witness is your most powerful tool in the kingdom. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as they were afraid to die. Your past is your story. Your story is your life. Your life is made up of stories. Your life is made up of moments. Don't miss the moments. Your life is made up of small moments combined together, creating a story in the grander story of Jesus Christ. Your life is your witness. Your life is the witness. It is the, it is the reflection of Jesus on the world today. It is the witness of Jesus, your life. And your witness is the most powerful tool in the kingdom. Listen, nobody, I love this, nobody can refute your testimony. I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, now I can see. Dude, what happened to you? I'm not sure. All I know is once I couldn't see, and now I can. I don't know all the theology. I I don't know all the rules. I don't know all the, 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 the regulations. I don't know all the dress and the garb. And I don't know all the right language. All I know is I was once this way and now I'm this way. Come on. I was once broken, wounded, frustrated, sick, impoverished, and now I'm free and rich and happy and joyful and I can dance again. Do you see the difference? It's your, to- it's your story. That's your testimony. Nobody can take that. Dude, bro, that's awesome. I know what happened. It was Jesus. And it's real. 
And I'm not cynical anymore. And I don't question so much anymore about what, you know, what, who and what God is. I just, I just love Him. I'm in, I'm in love with Him. This is good stuff. Thanks, man. <laughs> Your past is not disqualified. <laughs> whether you have a horrendous past or whether you've lived a pretty good life, you know, no major glaring sins, either one does not disqualify you from being the hero. I read a quote the other day, and it stated, one of the worst things we've ever done to this generation, we told them to admire the hero, to look at the hero, to venerate a hero, but we've never taught them how to be the hero. It's one of the worst things we've done to a generation is we've taught them to look at heroes, to admire heroes, to want to be like them, but we've never taught them to be the hero, to never be the Gladys Antwald, to never be the Mother Teresa, to never be the, 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 the unsung hero, the policeman no one will ever know his name that rescued lives, or the fireman that rescued lives and saved families. Because there's no fame in that, right? There's no fortune in that. There's no money in that. What are we really saying as a body of believers? Can you be a hero? Does a past disqualify you? Absolutely not. If anybody should have been disqualified, it would have been Paul. He was the worst of sinners. He said, I was the chief of sinners. I was the chief of sinners. I was a leader. Let's put it, can we just put it in today's context? I mean, listen, guys. We're talking about the leader of ISIS, literally. In our context today, doing what he believes is absolutely righteous. Do you understand that? These men are doing exactly what they think is absolutely holy and righteous in their minds. Paul was no different. He was doing what exactly he thought was absolutely righteous in his mind. Slaughtering Christians. People of the way, they called them. ISIS is no different, my friends. They're doing, they're, they're doing exactly what they believe is right. Now imagine the leader of that band walking in tonight in all of his black garb and flying his flag and God just going, ping, thump. Have a seat, son. Now, now I don't know. I might get kicked out of here for saying this. I think... I think that I think, it's a fresh thought, so bear with me. It's embryonic. Teresa's like, oh no. <laughs> when I have fresh thoughts, you know, dangerous things happen. What if, let's, let's frame it this way. What if God said, the next great move of revival on the earth will come through Muslims? What if the next great revival and movement of, on the earth comes through people like, that serve ISIS. What would we, Western American, we, I promise you we would be so pharisaical, we'd say that they're not changed, they're, 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 don't listen to them. We listen to Fox News more than we listen to the book of Acts. We would listen, we would turn our Bible on TV and say, well, you know, uh, Kelly File says that, that that is not true. And da, da, da. I mean, I, it's no different. There's nothing new under the sun, my friends. The same thing could happen today that happened in Paul's day, slaughtering Christians, people of the way, targeting those who follow Jesus, 
And yet God transformed him. What if, just what if, God says, surprise, the next great movement isn't through your Western charismata, although it's been good, it's awesome. The next great move isn't going to be through some major mega church planning organization. It's good. I mean, it's okay. What if God said, look at this, I'm going to surprise you and I'm going to, I'm going to transform a Muslim nation to recognize me as Jesus Christ. Whoa! I mean, they think they're taking over all these states for Sharia and God's giggling. <laughs> I'm about to thump them on the head and give them such an epiphany of me and they're going to go, oh my God, it's the real Jesus. And you know what? They're already established all over the world. How about that for a game plan? I love this verse in Proverbs. It says, a righteous prince will always have more subjects than an evil one. I just dismiss the theology that hell is filling up every day and Christians are being outnumbered. I just dismiss it. I think Jesus is going to ride in as a mighty conqueror and say, look at the prize, baby. Look around you. We win. <laughs> what if? I know, I, I know. I, I, it's freaky, isn't it? But hasn't Jesus set a pattern of disqualified heroes all throughout history? Hasn't Jesus always used the one that never should have been used to transform history? Hasn't Jesus always used a small, insignificant, nobody church to say, I'm going to use you if you want to be used. Hey, Jesus! <laughs> Here we are! Use us! You're nobody! You're nothing! You're, you, you're so insignificant! God, use me! Use me! Use us! What if He said, Keystone Church, I'm going to use all 40 of you to transform your city! Crickets. What if? What if, John Donovan, I'm going to use seven guys that you're discipling to transform your city for me? What if? What if? See, I think we need to raise the level of our expectations. And say, God, many of us have been part of great movements in the past. Many of us have seen great mission movements. Many of us have seen great revivals through youth. Many of us have seen great revivals through church growth. And many of us have seen you know, people lining up in the tents of Africa. Many, many of us have seen that. God, could you... Do that again. Could you be real again like that? Could we see real signs and wonders? Could we not see some manufactured weirdness where all a guy wants is a paycheck? But you see a, a just this circle of leadership saying, man, we love Jesus, we love our city, we love you. And you belong. What if? What does God say about you? There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Does your past disqualify you? There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your past does not disqualify you. Thank God. You know who wrote this, by the way? Paul. I imagine he's probably encouraging himself. There is now, therefore, no condemnation in Christ Jesus for me. I'm not considered a murderer. I'm considered a man of God. I'm not considered a slut. I'm considered a pure woman of God. I'm not considered a harlot or a thief. I'm not considered a, a liar. 
because I've been transformed by God. My life has changed by God. My navel doesn't even lap match that anymore. Nothing matches that. I've been transformed by God. Who are we then? Paul wraps it up by saying in 837, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That certainly doesn't sound like his past is disqualifying him. It certainly doesn't sound like his past has kept him in guilt and shame. By the way, I believe the enemy's number one tool for a generation, listen to me, is guilt and shame. You men who are trapped in porn, he uses that to shame you. Let me blow your mind. Take your porn right to the lap of Jesus. Do it. It'll change your life. Next time, you got your phone out, your computer out, and you're like, oh, I just can't. I'm addicted. Uh. Take it right to, don't, don't try to hide it. Bring it right to the light. Walk right up into the lap of Jesus and say, look at this. I need help. I can't do this on my own. You know what then? There's no guilt and no shame and no condemnation. Why? Because you're in Christ Jesus. You get it? You're in him. You're sitting with him. You're in him. You're in, you're part of him. Mm, women. I don't know what your stuff is. You guys are just good. I don't know. Take it to Jesus. Your fear, your shame. Oh, your body. Oh, it doesn't measure up to every magazine that everybody says and the way you're supposed to dress. Take it to Jesus. Sit in this lab and say, it's who I am. It's who you created me to be. Oh, yeah, baby, you are beautiful. There's no shame. There's no guilt. When you bring something to the light, the devil cannot hold you in bondage any longer. You are no more associated with your past. You are now more than conqueror. We sing it, we say it, probably on your refrigerator, maybe even on the mirror of your car. I'm a more than a conqueror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen, something has to be better than a mantra every morning. Something has to be better than just saying the same scriptures over and over and over. You've got to believe it. You've got to actually start living it. And you speak it, yes, you speak it over your life. I am more than a conqueror. And all of a sudden you begin to believe it. And once you believe it, you begin to live it. And once you begin to live it, Trans, lives transformed. Your past does not disqualify you. Hey, stand with me tonight. And I know I got a little excited and I'm excited. Listen, what if, guys, what if God said, listen, I'm going to use this tiny little family and they're going to, because we're not just doing church. I hope you know that. We are, we are shifting a paradigm. We're speaking a new language. And when people talk about wanting community and they want, they want to live in community, and, and that sounds really good because that's a buzzword today, man. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, community, man. What are you doing? We're doing a Starbucks community. Where are you going? We're going to play Frisbee community. Yeah, cool. I mean, I, went, I dropped my daughter off at this Young Life thing at Fox Run. There was like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids at this park running around doing bouncy soccer community. Whatever, you know, the big globe things. You run into each other and you play soccer. I mean, I'm like, what is going on? I mean, it's awesome, but, that's, but is that really, is that real community? We're changing the way we think, and it's hard to get people to change the way they think. Religious tradition is a very, very, very hard paradigm to cross. 
So it may not look like you think. It may not feel like what you're used to. But I promise you, this is the way the Holy Spirit is moving. Something is going to happen. Man, guys, I just feel like our system is a house of cards. Now, now again, I'm not bashing church. I love big church. I love small church. I've been in both. I've been involved in both. Um, so I can qualify that and quantify that. I just think it's a house of cards. It's, it's not a bad thing. I think God's just going to go, Donk, let me show you what I really want. He, he, you know why? Because history tells us that. He did it in Jerusalem. Hey, boys, this has been real good. All your house-to-house stuff. I love it. And then what do you do? He set persecution. Scatter the church because that's what he wants, multiplication. Look, I'm glad you got a big, you know, mega church. That's awesome. But what I really want is for you to multiply. Multiply not in small groups, but in churches. You see the difference? That's the heroes God's creating today. Those are those small, well, how can I ever be used of God? My God, go around your block, hand out brownies, and invite people over for coffee. Okay, maybe you're not brownies, but something. Maybe a prepackaged gift. <laughs> we are in Colorado. Oh, although that might work. That might be the ticket. Hey, man, you want some brownies? All right. Oh, come on, let's pray. Jesus, we know you're doing something. You're doing something larger than what we can see. David had a great word tonight about God, you being wild. You're pushing us into the river, pushing us into the rapids. And God, do that. Do that in our lives. Put us into a place of adventure. Put that passion back in our hearts that we once had for you. Put that desire to go on a journey, to climb a mountain, to get on a rapid, and, and to climb a, you know, to go up and see a sunset, Lord, just with you. Put that passion back in our hearts. Put that passion back in to disciple people and to love people to life and God, drop our cynicism and our frustration and our fear and our shame. Let me just pray for you tonight. If you just got your heads bowed and maybe your hands on your heart and it's really sensing the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, we want you to come and minister. We welcome you. We welcome you into this place. From the beginning of prayer tonight, Lord, to even now, Holy Spirit, come. Only you can touch the heart and hearts of your people. If you're here tonight and you're just like, man, I, I, my past has become my resume. I've lost sight of my future. Can you just ask the Holy Spirit to re reignite you again? Can I tell you tonight, He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. The Holy Spirit just gave me this word. Listen, my friends, my family, you belong. You belong. I've not forgotten you. I've seen you this entire journey. Now listen, I might have set you aside. I might have set you in a place where you feel lonely, you feel broken, you feel lost, you feel forgotten. But I'm telling you, my friends, the Lord says this, that's where I make heroes. Heroes are seldom made in the limelight. Heroes are never made in the, in the spotlight. Heroes are made in the darkness, in the liminal space, in the deep. God has not forgotten you. Man, I just feel like I'm saying this too. You know, hey, I've had a pretty decent life. I'm not, not a bad guy or a bad girl. Awesome. Man, awesome. Praise God for that. You should thank God for that. Let God use your story to touch those who have no hope because you are a beacon of hope. You are a beacon of hope. I've just been a good, I mean, a moral person. You are a beacon of hope that people can live 
Father, tonight you might have told us in some way or form and fashion through your Holy Spirit, God, that you're going to use unusual people. You always have. Can we just keep our eyes open, Holy Spirit, to what you're doing? Man, my friends, if we could do that, just keep our eyes open to what the Holy Spirit's really saying and doing, I think we'd be very surprised. If we spent more time in our stories of the heroes of the past and the Word and less time worrying about what's on the Internet and you know Sharia law being established in Texas or something, I mean, my goodness. Don't you see God setting us up? He's setting us up, church. He is setting us up for the next great move, if we're ready and if we're aware. And why not? Why not? Why not just be ready? Why not say, hey, why not here? It's different. It'll be different. Trust the process. Now, let's heal our hearts tonight through the Holy Spirit. Just put your hands on your heart if you would and just say, Jesus, heal my shame and my sin. Lord, I bring this just to your light, all my past and my wounds and Thank you for taking me through the journey of pain. Thank you for taking me to the deep. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for calling me more than a conqueror. Thank you for sitting me in heavenly places. Thank you for giving me the ministry of reconciliation. Thank you, God, for giving me a family. Thank you, God, for bringing all my stuff to you, Jesus, as we sit in your lap. Literally, I promise you, my friends, you cannot offend him. The offense has been taken. The cross has cleaned it. Resurrection has given us hope and light and a future. Bring it to Jesus. I love you. I love you. Thank you for the privilege of being here in Colorado Springs. Thank you for this family. Thank you for these people. Thank you for our disciples. Thank you for the families that are coming and that aren't even here yet, God. Thank you, Lord, for the just the joy we feel when we're together. I love you. I praise you for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you guys so much. Man, I hope, this, I hope you, you begin to see that, you know, it's just, the, it's just the everyday, unsung, average guy that is just available. One of my favorite verses is this. Abraham's servant, Eliezer, went to go find Abraham's son, Isaac, a wife. And the Bible says this, that God led Eliezer while he was in the way. Verbatim. I love that because so many times we're, we're taught, hey, just get out of God's way. I think we, it's just the opposite. Get in God's way. Get right in his way. Let him blow you over, and he will lead you. Abraham's servant, Eliezer, was led while he was in the way. Right in the way. Get right in the way. I mean, go just jump in a river. Get in, I mean, you know, but really. Unless you really swim well. There's a kayak nearby. Get in, get in God's way. Let him use you. He's not forgotten you. Come on, this isn't just some sort of club we go to. We're changing lives. I mean, this isn't some sort of social thing. It's some sort of social experience. We're, we're bringing the kingdom of God and the kingdom of life to the planet. It's our call, guys. Come on, I hope you're excited. I just felt a fresh renewal today. David's word encouraged it. Carl confirmed it. 
Let's go. Let's go. I love you. See you later.